This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code REALSIMPLE at checkout to get 10% off. Hello and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. I'm the editor of Real Simple. And with me today is the wonderful Simon Doonan, who is the creative ambassador for Barney's New York and the author of six books, including The Asylum, True Tales of Madness from a Life in Fashion. Hi, Simon. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How are you? Yes, I'm sitting on a Jonathan Adler chair with Foxy Lady on my knee, a little mutt, and um, yeah. Foxy Lady, for those of you who, who, you probably heard Simon say mutt, but Foxy Lady is Simon's dog, and as far as I'm concerned, the best name for a dog ever. So we're here today to talk about lazy people, and Simon, considering the prolific nature of your career, I would guess you are not lazy, well, I'm not, and, and that comes from being sort of basically from a working class background where working was very important. I had my first factory job when I was 16, and I mean, that's ultimately probably why I became an immigrant, because I had and still have a lot of drive. No, I'm not lazy. I've always gotten up very early, done eight things before breakfast, so, yeah, I'm not lazy, and that's probably how I ended up here in New York City in a groovy apartment with a fluffy dog called Foxy Lady. <laughs> All right, so question for you, though. So la- so back to your—so I worked in a factory, too, when I was—well, let's see. I was like a sophomore in college, and i got to tell you, working in a factory, I worked in a West Vaco paper factory. was one of the best life experiences I have ever had. What kind of factory did you work in? Well, I worked in several um, because in where I grew up in this town called Reading outside of London, mm-hmm. there it was very industrial in the 60s, 70s, and that was just what we did. Like when you weren't at school, you would, of course, you know, get a job in a local factory. So I, I did a lot of that work in summer holidays and blah, blah, blah. Actually... When I was 16, I left school because I went to this school where everyone left at 16, Mm -hmm. and I did get a job in a bottle top factory, and it was very motivating to me. This can't be my life. So I actually went back to grammar school and did my university entrance. So, yeah, that's probably when the beginning of the non-laziness started. So you think that – I've never thought about it this way. I mean, I don't know. To be totally honest with you, I actually don't – know why I ended up working in a factory. I think it was because it was the best paying summer job in my town. But, you know, like you, I looked around me and I said, I don't want this to be my life. But so you you kind of equate your eventual success or your drive and energy and output, creative output to the circumstances in which you were raised then. Yeah, my mom and my mom in particular had a fabulous work ethic. She left school at 13 in rural Northern Ireland, and she was always, like, um, busy. She was the kind of person that had two jobs, and we had a house full of lodgers. She would cook their food. We had a blind lodger. My mom would cook the food, cut it up into 
bite-sized bits and then go off to her job and bicycle there and back. You know, so she, we always tried to help her out around the house because we could just see, even at a young age, she was just going for it. And my dad was probably a bit more lazy than her, but he was still had a great work ethic. But I think I got it from my mom, that sense of panic and drive. Like, if you don't work hard and bring home the bacon, you're not going to pay your bills. You're going to end up in the street. Mm-hmm. You're going to be, a, you know, something dire is going to happen because there's no, there was no safety net back then. You know, after the war in England, things were a bit grim. Everything you're saying makes such sense to me. And this is a conversation I have with, with, you know, friends and peers, not infrequently. So I've got three kids who are growing up very comfortably. My husband and I both work in New York. We live in the suburbs. And my kids kind of, I mean, they're good people, right? But they kind of don't want for anything. And I do think one of my children, I won't say which one, is kind of lazy. And I don't know how do I... Is there a way, if you have a person who may or may not be your son, (laughs) um, who is lazy in your life, is there a way to make somebody unlazy? Like, do you have to have that kind of panic that you describe in your mom? Like, if you don't work hard, you could be out on the street. You know, do you have to have that to not Um, be lazy? Like, what, what, what do we do with people around us who... You don't see that fire in the belly, and you wish it were there. Well, over the years, I've, I have a lot of lazy friends, and I, I, I adore them totally mm-hmm. because um, I've, I have drive that served me well, but I never been, I've never wanted everybody to be like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a big range of friends. Many of them go back to childhood, and um, they're all very different from me. And I, I don't have that need. In terms of child rearing, I don't have that experience. I think that would probably make me panic stricken if I thought, <laughs> if I thought, the message I got growing up was, in order to have a good life or the life that you want, you have to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And I would be very nervous if I had children and I looked at them and they, they didn't realize that. Like that, that sort of sense of panic has served me very well. Not that you have to become a hugely successful entrepreneur, but just you have to pay your own bills. You know, mm-hmm. you have to, you have, it's very easy to fall through the cracks and end up. So my, my motivation was not, I want to take over the world, become a brand, a CEO, an entrepreneur. I never really cared about that stuff. I cared about being creative and being able to be self-sufficient financially. So Today, I think kids are given very confusing messages about what is an appropriate level of success, what that means, and I wouldn't want to be a kid now. I think it'd be very, no wonder, a lot of them seem to have anxiety disorders, and I'm not surprised because they get mixed messages. Well, it's kind of like Mark Zuckerberg or bust, you know? Yeah, which I think is ridiculous. Like, I don't think, to me, it was like, if I can have creative satisfaction in my job and actually just simply pay my bills and be financially independent, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've always worked for other people. I've never been like um, one of the, you know, I'm successful, but I've worked for the same company for 30 years. Yeah. You know, so I haven't been one of those people. I didn't want to own the company or be the CEO or 
blah, blah, blah. So I just, well, I was happy as long as I had a creatively stimulating job and a source of income that allowed me to live in a comfy way, you know. Yeah. Well, so when you think of your friend, you know, you were just describing this range of friends you have. When you think of your friends who you would describe as lazy, where do you think that comes from? Were they, were they too comfortable always? Or do you think they were just kind of born that way and their life circumstances actually don't really come that much into play? Probably the difference between me and a lot of them, my really old friends, is, was my mom, who was sort of very focused on the idea of being financially self-sufficient because she saw what happened to people in Ireland in the, in, during you know, the 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s, how things could go badly if you weren't, you know, if you didn't keep your, keep your shit together, you know, for want of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. And what about in your professional life? I mean, in your 30 years at Barney's, you've worked with, I'm sure, all kinds of people. Fabulous, infuriating, creative, wonderful, lazy, I'm sure, some. When you have people who you either work alongside or who work for you who are lazy, how do you handle it? Unfortunately, I've never had anybody lazy work with me. Like, at Barney's, over the years, I was obviously in charge of the windows, the displays, and the, the window dressing people tend to be very motivated, very enthusiastic. They love to move around the store, change 20 mannequins, rip the windows out, put new ones in. I think it's a job that attracts people that like to be busy all day. Mm-hmm. And then in advertising and PR, same thing, really. Like, retail is not... You know, retail is not a place for people that want to sort of hide. You know, you really are sort of, you're a salesperson, you're on the sales floor, you ha- and everyone can see your numbers for the day, and, you know, you're constantly motivated by the, the, the financial goals of your department. And so I never really work with anybody. I don't think anybody lazy would go into that profession. It's not a good one for sort of hiding in your cubicle kind mm-hmm. of job. That would be sort of depressing, like that TV series, The Office, right? <laughs> I guess there were a couple of lazy people on that show, or lazy characters. I enjoy the company of people who are creatively lazy, and I have a lot of friends like that. They know how to get into the moment, and, you know, I'll say, oh, I have to go and write my blah, 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 and they'll say, no, let's just have a picnic on the beach and relax, and who cares? And, you know, I like people like that. I I have a lot of friends like that who are very more, I wouldn't call them lazy. I'd call them more laissez-faire, more creatively, creatively lazy, capable of being in the moment. I love to be around people like that because they they sort of balance me out a bit, you know, yeah. and people who are like, oh, let's, what does it matter if we can't get a reservation at little 10 at night? You know, whereas I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm going to starve to death. <laughs> um, or, you know, um, cooking elaborate meals. So people who can slow it down a yeah. bit. So, you know, the person hiding in their cubicle who's just lazy, that's not creative laziness, but the person who is being creatively lazy can be very life-enhancing. It sounds to me like creatively lazy is your your creatively lazy friends know how to relax and have fun doing it. 
Well, I vividly remember years ago, I went to Puerto Rico on holiday with a friend of mine, and she was an artist and lived like an artist and thought like an artist and would get up and do watercolors, you know, and she led this incredibly relaxed life of laissez-faire creative laziness. And it was, it was sort of a great holiday because I would say, oh, well, let's go water skiing. Let's go scuba diving. Let's go for a run. And she would, she's just like, oh, shut up. <laughs> let's, you know, and we'd sit there and both, both do watercolors of our breakfast dishes in the sink or something like that. So create, you know, people are more slowed down, lazy. I think that's a great thing. I get, it's sort of depressing when you see people going to the gym and they've got two phones and they're (laughs) playing Candy Crush on one of them and they're looking at their emails on the other. And I then, at that point, I feel like my friend in Puerto Rico who's just sort of like, get in the moment, take a breath, look outside, look at the trees. You know, uh, so we, we live in a, in a world where people are subjecting themselves to the opposite of laziness. I don't, you know, these sort of meaningless interactions with social media. Right. um, It's just completely cuckoo. Well, it just makes, there's no time for stillness. You know, there's no time. I would never, ever do that. So I'd never take my phone. We have a bedroom upstairs in our apartment. I never take my phone up there. I often forget to take it with me. You know, read a book, take a breath, stare at the horizon. I'm very into that. Mm -hmm. Like, even though I'm, and I think I get that from my lazy friends who've taught me to be less kind of um, maniacal about accomplishing, you know, like, how much stuff did you accomplish today? I'm already self-criticizing enough about that. So I take great joy from people who are spreading a blanket. Like Diana, Diana Vreeland said, Diana Vreeland once said, drag your Aubusson rug to a waterfall and have a picnic. Right. But that takes energy. Like that's actually not, that's not lazy. I would never drag a rug to a waterfall. That sounds like a gigantic pain. (laughs) Well, you would be more like, could you please drag my rug to that waterfall so I can have a picnic? Right. You mean I'd I'd make somebody else do it? Yeah. Or you know what I would do? I would say, I'm going to take my folding chair to the waterfall. Now, it's not nearly as chic or wonderful as what Diana Vreeland was envisioning, but I could carry my my little folding chair and still sit there. Well, maybe you're being a little too literal. I think she probably meant it was the spirit of the idea that was supposed to be inspiring. Like, you know, she said, put, make your children wear Tyrolean hats, and the shorter the child, the longer the feather. Yeah. I think she's not really telling you to do All that. Right. She's just telling you to, to have a creative, laissez-faire, fun, not-so-goal-oriented approach to your children. So I'm here in our studio with our producer, Kristen Meinzer, who is a lot more tech-savvy than I am, and I know that just because she can work this like super, super complicated-looking control panel <laughs> that we use to tape this podcast. But Kristen, tell me, do you have, I'm assuming you have a website. I do have 
an outdated website, and I'm currently in the process of looking into getting a new Squarespace one, actually, because of all of the mid-roll ads that you have had on your show. Yes, that you've listened to. Extolling the virtues of Squarespace, because I don't have to code, which... I'm going to be frank here, even though this complicated board looks complicated, yeah. it's pretty easy compared to coding. You. Coding yeah. is very, Oh, very yeah, yeah. Coding, forget it. I'll never yeah. be able to do that. But also that the websites are so beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful, absolutely professional, and you'd never guess they were easy. Yeah. So I'm excited to start my new Squarespace page. Okay, so if you, like Kristen Meinzer and me, want to build a website on Squarespace, You can start a free trial site today by going to squarespace.com. And when you do sign up, make sure you use the offer code Real Simple and you get 10% off your first purchase. I mean, I love this notion you've introduced of your creatively, creatively lazy friends. Unlike me, like when I think about, I've done been doing this podcast for a year, and when I think about all the different kinds of irritating people that we have covered in this podcast, lazy people is probably pretty close to the top of my list of people who drive me crazy. But you sound very accepting. Well, probably because I've never really had to work with anyone who's lazy. I think that probably could be infuriating. Um, and my lazy friends are bring me a lot of joy and they're really fun and I I don't know I just don't have that need to surround myself with kind of like-minded spirits like mm-hmm. we all have to be driven so I can feel validated I like to have friends who are very different from me have different political views different every anything yeah. it's fun I don't I think that's sort of a bit of a contemporary malaise as well like needing all your all your contacts and associates to somehow reinforce and validate your your position about things, you know, whether they're aesthetic or whatever they are. So, yeah, open the door and welcome in your lazy friends, but probably not for work purposes. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're about out of time. Um, Simon Doonan, who's the creative ambassador for Barney's New York, has very not lazily written six books including The Asylum, True Tales of Madness from a Life of Fashion. Simon Doonan, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, darling. It's been fun and lazy and laissez-faire and casual. (laughs) Well, it's easy to feel lazy when you have a dog on your lap, too. Yeah, little Foxy. She says goodbye, too. Okay, goodbye, Foxy lady. Uh, So that's it for this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Our producer is Kristen Meinzer. Our editor is Tim Einenkel. And Caitlin Peary helps me put together this podcast from the Real Simple offices. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple, or you can tweet ideas for the podcast directly to me at KVanOctrop. For more on all kinds of irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com and subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. For Simon Doonan, I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. Thanks for joining us. 